Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Mike Blewett and Dave Martinez taking you around. The world of thinking around the world of fantasy football. A lot of news coming out of the NFL this last 24 hours, 48 hours. And there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Dane, your Jets are in a little world of hurt at the running back position. Only two guys are active now. Bilal Powell, yeah. as we just heard during the update. He's going to need season-ending neck surgery. It puts his career in jeopardy. I would imagine for a 29-year-old running back, you need him neck surgery. He's going to have some serious discussions and contemplations to have over the course of the next few months. Uh, he's the longest-tenured Jet, so uh, he was, over the last couple of years, a somewhat popular fantasy pick. Yeah. People thought he would see higher market shares. It never really materialized on a consistent basis, but uh, nonetheless... It does have an impact on fantasy football. Uh, obviously, our best for Bilal Powell, but it does have an impact on fantasy football because now the Jets are down to two active running backs, Isaiah Crowell and Trenton Cannon. Eli McGuire comes back next week off of IR, potentially, so they will have likely a full backfield starting next week. But we start off with some rough news on the injury front, and Bilal Powell is, Bilal Powell is gone for the year. Yeah, absolutely. As you as you know, Blewett, I've been a fan of Bilal Powell. I got the boom, boom, Bilal, pal, pal nickname, you know. It's one of the first, like, sing-songy nicknames I did on this network. As you know, I'm also a Jets fan. So your other point, like, for a long time, Bilal Powell has been, like, viewed, in my opinion, as, like, this guy who is serviceable, but the Jets always continue to go out and get other answers, right? Whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was... Uh, here, Isaiah Crowell, or in the b- previous years, like guys like Thomas Jones, or like, like it's almost like they just never trusted Bilal Powell enough to be the guy. And I always thought he performed well with his opportunity. Um, you you are absolutely correct. I think you boost Isaiah Crowell up because he will have the lion's share of this timeshare. We do have Trenton Cannon in there, but I'm ex- I'm glad that you brought up Elijah McGuire. I brought that up last hour as well. Scott was big on Trenton Cannon. I said, wait a second, don't forget. Forget about Elijah McGuire, who does come back from the pup list, I believe, next week. And, you know, you don't know how long it'll take for him to, you know, get in football shape and those sorts of things. But I know this organization was very high on Elijah McGuire coming into the season. I know our guy Emery Hunt has always been very high on Elijah McGuire. I really believe that, you know, by the time we're in the fantasy playoffs, this could be a more standard timeshare of Isaiah Crowell early work and Elijah McGuire, you know, no huddle shotgun PPR work. Yeah, for Crowell owners, it's not great to have Eli McGuire back, and I'm one of them. So 
Uh, unfortunately, right. the one week, which is this week, where Crowell is likely to see a workhorse backs load, they're playing against the Bears, Bears. in Chicago. <laughs> it's not a good setup at all for Crowell, for right. any running back for that matter. But hopefully he gets some work done early. They hang with the Bears for a little bit, and, and you move on. Right now, Daily Roto has him projected in the area of about 13 points uh, for 13 DFS points, depending on the site where you are, uh, give or take. So so that's one piece of news. Obviously, the Jets also signed Richard Matthews to try to build out that ailing receiving core, which resulted in Terrell Pryor getting cut last week and Quincy Inunua being yeah. on the shelf for a few weeks here. So I was, I'm was i in a dynasty league. Somebody spent $700 of their $1,000 budget on Richard Matthews. Now In dynasty? Yes. So it is a deep league, and this guy... Is seven and zero. I hear you. Uh, he's got a good team, but I, I think I was just curious of that move simply because I don't think he's going to be much. Trust me, when an offensive player arrives on right. a waiver wire that could have any impact, they do get overbid. I raised my hand in saying that I bid two hundred twenty-seven dollars on Cody Kessler last night. Because, sure. Well, we knew you had that quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah. like I, Bortles could be benched. And Phil Rivers is on a buy, so I need right. somebody long term. I can't just like here. Uh, let me. I'll get back to that in a second. But Rashard Matthews, seven hundred dollars. Somebody thinks he, he could really have an impact here. I would have spent maybe a hundred of my thousand, but uh, that's about it. So uh, clearly, people are looking at options as we get later into the season and in deeper leagues. People start to panic. Now, my two hundred twenty-seven dollar Cody Kessler move. Is a little bit of a panic move, but you have. To, I'll walk you through the logic. Say Bortles does have the short leash and he does get benched. It's not going to help me this week because I have to start Bortles. Phil Rivers is on a bye. Fast forward one week, Phil Rivers is out there, and I, I like. Yeah, I don't worry about Kessler. I get Philip Rivers back next week. Then Philip right. Rivers takes an ACL next week. And then I have nobody, and my season is over because Bortles is benched. I didn't get Kessler, and Rivers right. is out for the year. That's my logic. You own Bortles already? I do, You own yes. Bortles right now? Yes. So by that logic, why Cody Kessler instead of Geno Smith? Because there's an imminent benching happening in Jacksonville. Uh, that, right, that but if you're thinking about it for this one week, you I'm, can't go Kessler this one week. And then to your point, after the one week, if the doomsday scenario happened with Phillip Rivers, I'd rather invest in Charger QB than Jaguar QB. I am probably going to also pick up Geno. I'm just trying to play. <laughs> I'm, it, trust me, I, I did walk through that too. I just thought the bidding would be in on Kessler. Um, right. And I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I, I hear you. I'm just of... like, I understand your scenario. Like, this week, quote unquote, the starter. So, regardless of the short leash, regardless of he gets yanked, you've made your bed for this week. Yes. And then what you're playing out, I understand. Like, you are, after this week, you're starting Philip Rivers every single week, right? Yeah. Unless, of course, you know, the knock on wood horrible thing happens. And I don't want to even say it because I own Philip Rivers in a lot of places. But then, if you are in that scenario, like, I would rather have whoever replaces him and has those weapons and has that offense as opposed to totally the, understand that logic. Uh, the Cody Kessler. But okay. T- totally understand that logic and I thought about it as well. I just wanted to get in on somebody because of the language used by the coaches, I almost convinced myself that sometime between Wednesday and Saturday the coaches could be like, you know what? 
we're just going to roll with Kessler. It was what right. I talked myself <laughs> into because they're so unimpressed sure. with Bortles. So, anyway. That is a non-zero chance of that, and that is the scenario where you do need Kessler. Exactly right. Right. Non-zero is the best way to say it. So, um, what else we got? It, certainly, I don't see us trading Derek Carr is the quote that comes from John Gruden, which is the worst <laughs> vote of confidence I've ever heard. Uh, I don't see crazy. it. Like Certainly, I don't see it, but... Maybe somebody else here sees it. <laughs> Maybe McKenzie, the GM, sees it. So, <laughs> and, and I won't stand in his way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't see us making any more trades. Certainly, I don't see us trading our quarterback. Um, I didn't see us making a tra- But here's what he says. I don't see us making any more trades, John Gruden told reporters. I didn't see us making a trade the other day. I really didn't. Great. Well, <laughs> it did happen. So... <laughs> Apparently, your foresight isn't the clearest. But right. sometimes, like I said, he continues, your plans change whether you like it or not. You don't know who's going to call you and what they're going to say. You really don't. Exactly right, John. You don't right. know who's going to call, and you don't know what they're going to say. So don't say in a definitive manner, we're not going to do something, because everybody now thinks everybody in the Raiders organization yeah. is available. I would, would you call I don't see it Derek as Carr. definitive? Do what? you think that's actually definitive? Do you think that was a definitive statement? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you're probably right. He's, he's wishy-washy all over the place. So <laughs> uh, he says, I don't see us making any more trades, but I'll never say never again to anybody. So he yeah. actually he brings it home there at the end. But uh, I'm, I'm not, I've, never, I've never really been in the Derek Carr camp personally. Uh, I thought he was get, been given too much too soon, too much credit, too much money, uh, yeah. too much uh, applause, frankly. I, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders have to move on. You and I have gone through down this quarterback uh, wormhole right. a few times, and I think you know that every time we get to Carr, I'm like, I'm just not all the way in. I, it's not. I, I think he could be – I think he's closer to like a Tannehill type than he is to a Goff, for example. Talk to me about him vis-a-vis, say, uh, Andy Dalton. I think the Tannehill, Dalton, Derek Carr camp is the, is the camp I would put them in. Like, I think all three of those guys are right. Now, of the three, I probably have the actually the most faith in Dalton because I know yeah. what he's been able to deliver. Like, I've watched him do sure. it, and I've watched him have winning seasons. There's no denying that Derek Carr had a really good season a couple of years ago when they made right, the and then he broke, he his, broke leg. his leg. I mean, yeah, it's not his fault. Uh, but outside of that, there's been a lot of low yardage pass attempts. There's been a lot of losing. So it's not all on one guy, but I've just never been as in on Carr. Now, he's proven me wrong at times. That's okay. I'm just saying long-term projections for me, I, I just don't see him being – uh, as sharp as some of these other guys. And, yeah, I think could, it's about where that is, Dalton and Tannehill. It's, I, I, could I consider them to be closer Dalton. to those guys than the, the, the stars of the league. Yeah, so I hear you. And, and I think we've had this conversation before. And, like, the stars of the league, those are the people that elevate the play of the people around them. Yeah. Right? And so these other guys you're talking about, I guess the point I want to make is, like, has Derek Carr ever – had the weapons of an Andy Dalton or of a Matthew Stafford, I mean, you know, Amari or Cooper, of a Matt Ryan. Like Amari if you Cooper put Derek in his Carr, first two seasons had thousand yard seasons, and Mike Crabtree was there, and they had yeah. a great offensive line. 
Um, they had Khalil Mack on the other side of the ball. Like the fact that this didn't come together and it's all falling apart. I mean, that's that's management's fault. But um, if Carr had somewhat improved weapons, might he be? Might the perception be similar to, or a little bit higher? You know what I mean? That that's what I would just say. Because he's not one of these elite guys who elevates the play of others. He needs something like that. And, yes, Amari Cooper had one or two good seasons, but it was not A.J. Green. What does Ryan Tannehill have? Not a whole lot. Nothing. (laughs) But but Ryan Tannehill's a converted wide receiver from Texas A&M. I know. That's my point. (laughs) (laughs) Why is he just about the same as the converted wide receiver? Why isn't he like Jared Goff? Who's, I mean, obviously has unbelievable weapons, but Goff's playing his his tail off right now. So his hind parts off. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just look at some of the other guys and like, would you rather have? I mean, obviously, rather have Goff, but would you would you rather take Baker right now, or would you rather have Derek Carr? I would. Ra- I mean, for fantasy or for no. like as a fan of the NFL, team? NFL question. Oh, I'd rather have Baker. Right. I'd rather have Baker. Yeah, Baker's yeah. played four games. Absolutely. This guy's yeah. played four years, and we're already talking about Baker. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have Baker. So. I- I've said it before. Listen, teams are either you. You either in three situations. You either know you have your franchise quarterback. Know you do not have your franchise quarterback, or are in purgatory. And to be honest, I'd rather know I don't have my quarterback than oh, be in purgatory. One hundred percent agreed. The Bucks, the Raiders, yeah, the, the, Titans, the Dolphins, the Titans are starting <laughs> to think about it. But, yeah, uh, exactly. I'd rather know I don't have the answer, know I'm in the market next year, yes. or like have that first year guy where I could still see, than be in this purgatory because that sets you back years. Yeah, no doubt about it. What's up, Giants? So uh, here we go. We have well, at least they know now, but they know a year. Right, they do late. know. They are now in the position that they know, and that's why, to be honest, I thought they made the bad move last year. I know, but that, that's, that's why the they point. made the messed up last year because they were going to move to the place where they knew they didn't have it, and then they went right back to the purgatory. But Same as I believe right now didn't. with Blake Bortles, but they didn't know. We so, no, I shouldn't say we, we knew they made a we. decision to bench him, which made it look like they knew. Um, I still would I would love a fifteen minute documentary on that because McAdoo oh, yeah. being involved in it made it such yep. a clown show that yep they let him take all the bullets. I yep. blame John Mara for that completely. That's what I was going to say. I would love to know what the deci- what the conversations between Mara and McAdoo were like before that decision Look, was made. Your or family's not in the football business for eighty years, and then the guy that doesn't know how to do press conferences right. has to go out there and make the tough decisions and take all the bullets. It doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. And for John Mara not to have been in the building when all that Eli stuff went down. Seems yeah. ridiculous, and for him to not be involved makes absolutely no sense based on me being in my 40s, yeah. lived in the same city as the Giants my whole right. life, that never being the way they operate. And then all of a sudden, exactly. yeah, it's, it was McAdoo's call. Like, I just, you know, it's the head coach. He makes those calls. Like, no, he doesn't. You make all the calls. Right. Your dad, basically, Wellington. You signed uh, the checks. Wellington <laughs> basically made the NFL the way it is today. If you had to point at one, right. he's the one, like on the Mount Rushmore of the NFL, along with like the no Roonies, for God's sake. Pete sakes. Rozelle and Wellington Mara, because Wellington Mara is the person yeah. who said we have to equally share television revenue, and he fought there for it. There you go. It. He, even though he was the New York guy, 
everybody listened to him. Right. Even because distribution. He, right. was, he would have been standard to Absolutely. Right. He would have been profiting the most. And anyway, right. I went down a really long and no, I hear you. I'm with you, bro. But I, I just I'm backing <laughs> up the Giants. I don't know why we're talking about Eli right now, but it, anyway, the Giants yeah. know now they need somebody new. So uh, a little bit of I used to just do basic NFL news. Sure. Week 15, week 16, Saturday schedules came out. So the Houston Texans are going to play the Jets on Saturday, December 15th. They sure are. And the Cleveland Browns will play the Broncos. So the Jets have the 430 game. Dane Martinez, I guarantee, will be at that one. De- uh, Cleveland Browns oh, the- not in the month of December, brother. Why not, man? <laughs> 430. I'll be. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be uh, Saturday. Tree. With a little eggnog, <laughs> wrapping some gifts or ordering it's some stuff Saturday. online, and watching there. my at that point what Support I imagine will be five and seven New York Jets. That's not so bad. Oh. Five and seven is not terrible. Well, you know, hey, I told you. Remember, to th- let's bring it full circle because we only got ninety seconds of this segment anyway. Yeah. I told you, as a Jets fan, I want to. All I care about this season is to be in that category where I'm confident that I have my guy at quarterback. That's the only thing I care about this season. All right, Mike? And so if I can end this season at week 15 or whatever it is, and I have faith that Sam Darnold could be that guy for me, and I'm in that camp of knowing I have my guy instead of the purgatory of not knowing, I consider the 2018 Jets season a success. Period. Full stop. End of sentence. There you go. Cleveland Browns at the Denver Broncos uh, will be the other game that day on Saturday, December 15th. And in week 16, Washington visits Tennessee in a game that I will absolutely need Tennessee to win. I know it. I'm going to sweat that over out every single week. That's the 430 game, and Baltimore Ravens at the Chargers will follow at 820. So uh, basically Christmas in L.A. uh, there. So I just always feel like it's fun to tell those stories. We got other injury news to talk about and some other, you know, guys moving around. Fantasy season's getting interesting with these teams on by. Falcons, Cowboys, Chargers, Titans on by. A lot of firepower there on the shelf. So Danny and I will come back. We'll talk about some snap counts. We'll talk about some waiver wire recaps. And maybe some last second guys again. Get Trent Cannon on your team for one week. If you start him, you're in trouble though. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Thursday edition of FST. So, Dane, how'd we do on the waiver wire yesterday? Who did we pick up to back up Gronk in case Gronk can't play again? Dane? No, Dane. Okay, so uh, we got. Uh, all right, sorry. Dane and I have a team together and. We have Rob Gronkowski. Because yes. of the funky waiver wires that we have, um, 
We took a zero last week. Yep. So this week, we finally have Fantasy a safety net. that we are. We finally, yeah, we, we finally have a safety net. It's, yeah, it, honestly, it's the league, which I'm now commissioner of, but the waivers have been a mess. I'm trying to fix them. They've just been a mess. But who do we get to back up Gronk? Uh, we got Charles Clay because Terrible. mostly because of the fact that this is Monday night football, right? And so all we need, obviously, if, if Gronk is active, we play Gronk. But in the situation where we needed something, we needed a guy from Monday night football to be able to make the switch because I'm not going to make a call to sit Gronk with incomplete information on 1230 on Sunday. So we had to get the Monday night football guy, and that is Charles Clay. And we dropped Cam Meredith. So you're not, you're not yeah. feeling Cam Meredith after your one week. Of praise of I was, I was, but it looks like it's Traquan Smith, and so we had to sacrifice someone. And for me, he was the uh, he was the little guy on our totem pole. And Charles Clay's last three games: three catches for fourteen yards, four catches for twenty, one for twelve. So love it, it's, love <laughs> yeah, it, love the trend. <laughs> it's trending up. So uh, anyway, uh, so you see guys that got picked up last night. I was just in our league, which is a deeper league. Trenton Cannon went for a little bit of money. Chris Herndon, the Jets tight end, has had a couple of good games in a row here, so you've seen him get picked up on waiver wires. Uh, yeah. I think the rate. I think the Raiders cast of characters to those guys that hadn't been owned, with the jettisoning of Amari Cooper to Dallas, we see guys like Martavis Bryant and Doug Martin and Jalen Richard if they weren't owned anywhere. Uh, Jordy. Nelson has been on people's teams for the most part, but that whole cast of characters got a bump. You Seth Roberts, I've seen him picked up in a few places. Yeah. So that those two those two moves in Oakland, one of which is the trading of Amari Cooper for a first round pick, the other of which is the injured reserve designation of Marshawn Lynch, have created a little bit of interest in some of these Raiders parts. I didn't really get that involved in it. Yeah, so um I agree with you. I didn't get that involved with it in season long, right? Because like you, you know, I just think that this is off the rails. I think this is, you know, Derek Carr could be next. I think the locker room is pissed off. We heard reports of, and, you know, we haven't spoken much about this. We heard reports of the the Raiders players didn't find out about Amari Cooper until on their phones right after. Uh, Apparently Gruden addressed the team and said Cooper would not be traded, and then he was. So they don't feel like there's any kind of trust there. On the flip side, Gruden doesn't give a damn about the current veterans. Gruden doesn't give a damn about the Oakland fan base. All he cares about is stockpiling assets so the arrow can be pointing up, you know, when they're like in year two of Vegas so they can have bright lights, glitz, glamour, and excitement. The one thing I will say on this, though, I'm over on FanDuel right now. Yes, sir. Mike, and uh, Martavis Bryant and Jordy Nelson this week are both at 5,300. I think that's pretty cheap. And I think if you pick the right one, whoever is... You know, the leading producer in the past game for Oakland, I think that's some value. So the way I'm looking at it is maybe that's Jordy Nelson in cash games and Martavis Martavis Bryant in tournaments. What do you think about these wide receivers for uh, DFS this week? Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. The the guy that is is seeing a pretty serious projection right now of the Raiders is Jalen Richard. Uh, Gruden is saying things to the effect up there on him. Yeah. Yeah, Gruden is sorry. Gruden is Yeah, Gruden is saying things to the effect of Doug Martin is ready for that workhorse role right now. Mm-hmm. The guys at Daily Roto aren't buying it, and he's seen enough. Right. He's seen enough shares in the passing game that Jalen Rashard is going to end up being a really good value uh, against the Colts. Um, 
you know, on the flip side of things, Marlon Mack is going to be a really good value for the Colts against the Raiders. But uh, right now, forty nine and a half is the total. I mean, right now, if you had to own one guy in that offense, who would you want? Not don't include Carr. Who would you want to own? Richard. Yeah, it would be Richard um, because I believe the Raiders are also, you know, losing games and Richard will be on the field. And I believe he'll get you some production in the run game and in the pass game because I also I don't understand. Or maybe, to be honest, I, this is going to sound gross. Maybe the answer is Jared Cook. You know, Jared Cook has been a top, you know, eight tight end all season. And now with the loss of other weapons, maybe he gets a bigger slice of the pie also. It is gross. It is gross. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh a couple other guys. Danny Amendola obviously went for a lot of money. Yep. Devontae Booker went for a lot of money in our league. So Amendola, the reason that. that's going on is because uh, Devontae Parker, obviously we know about him. Al Wilson yeah. went to IR. Um, we got all kinds of injuries. Stills, there. I think, is out tonight. Right. I think Stills is out as well. And Amendola got something like 17 targets from Brock Osweiler the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. So Amendola trending up for sure. So uh, let's see. Elijah McGuire, we talked about him. All right, let me go to those snap counts. The yeah. snap counts in Indianapolis are the one thing I wanted to talk about. Mm, yes. <laughs> because Marlon Max snap counts went up precipitously over the last couple of weeks. He had, let me see, I, yeah, the snap, the snap increase went up. I think in week six, I'm going to look it up right now. Week six, I'm just going to tell you right now, because his, his snap count in week seven was 56% of the offensive snaps, and it was 35%. Week six, right. Naeem Hines, 43%. Marlon Mack, 35%. Robert Turbin, 19%. Week seven, Marlon Mack, 56%. This, this tool, sorry. It's a big delay on this tool. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, 23%. Naeem Hines, 26%. Mm-hmm. So it gives you some sense that yeah. they felt pretty good about it. Now, the game script went their way. Right. And he, they had a big lead, so they could use him. That being said, in a tighter game, maybe Marlon Mack sees even more carries. Do you know what I mean? Like, they didn't have to push him right to the very end of that game. Um, I think right, I'm really going to regret guy. having cut Marlon Mack. I think he's definitely the best back yep. there. I think Hines is a great pass catcher, and Wilkins yep. proved through his fumbling that he ain't ready. So they were waiting for this guy to come back. So was I. I just didn't think he would burst onto the scene in quite the same way. Now, is he going to rip off 100-yard games like this? I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. Jordan Wilkins does not deserve to be on rosters. He had an opportunity at the beginning of the season, fumbled it away literally and figuratively. They only had him in as like mop-up duty because, as you mentioned, the game script, they had a big lead last week. Also remember, um, I think you were in the building with me in this Jets-Colts game where Naheem Hines dropped an easy touchdown pass, and then he was just like in the doghouse for the rest of that game. So the percentages and the snap counts, I think there's interesting factors that, you know, kind of complicated things what I do if I'm going to spin it forward what I believe is true is that Marlon Mack is the kind of a side of this timeshare and I think he's going to produce quite honest I think listen if you held on to him for this long you are now ready to reap the benefits I believe he's a back-end RB2 and Naheem Hines I think is going to be in this prototypical kind of PPR, change of pace, shotgun, two-minute offense kind of back. And to be quite honest, be pretty good in that role, like a usual, like what Chris Thompson used to do, like what Theo Riddick used to do, like what, you know, um, 
like Tariq Cohen, let's say, but I think it's going to be a more standard timeshare. Mark Mack as the lead, Hines as the pass catcher. So irritated at myself for that. It's really the one thing the whole year that I've regretted is not hanging on to him. After I kept him, too. I kept him in the ninth round, right. and I just so you're I almost tried. a pot committed, right? So you got to go the route with him. And I tried to, and you bailed just before, just before you would have reaped the benefit, just before. So, but I, I had nothing to go on. He was he re- continued no, to be out, and they continued to not be able you. to run the ball. So, last one I'll do is the Raiders. I'm gonna have to go all the way back to week six because they had a bye week. But Jordy Nelson saw 95% of the offensive snaps. Seth Roberts saw 73%. Martavis Bryant saw 72%. Amari Cooper is all the way down at 20%. But obviously they had something in mind there. They're planning some things. So uh, it, it's probably concentrated to those three guys, Richard, Cook. So uh, I think that's noteworthy at least. Uh, let's see where else we can go. Any other snap counts that you are interested in? Um, yeah, I'm interested in Seattle running back. Okay. We'll do that right now. So Seattle, you know, because the question is, yeah, so as you're pulling that up, I would say, because, you know, the general principle here is, you know, will, when, and does the rookie running back start to grow an opportunity, right? We see this already. I've been talking about my guys, the stereotype. I really think Kerryon Johnson is about to start dominating. We've even seen Ronald Jones starting to get more opportunity over Peyton Barber in the last couple of weeks. My question is, as it relates to, uh, you know, Rashad Penny, will that, maybe we're on the, you know, the bottom floor of that as well. Mike Davis, Chris Carson have been involved, but yeah, nobody saw a ton of snaps. So Chris Carson saw 27, Mike Davis saw 24, and Rashard Penny only 13, only 20% of the offensive mm. snaps. Nobody saw over 42% of the offensive snaps. So uh, that one's not great. I'll go to Tampa from last week. You know, Ronald yeah, Jones, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. Uh, Ronald Jones, obviously not efficient, but he does get in the end zone. Uh, but that, that's kind of a mess of a rushing offense in general. It is. Quiz Rogers. Jameis. Jameis clouds things, too. Jaquiz Rogers saw 30 snaps. Peyton Barber saw 35. Ronald Jones, 29. So nearly an even split down the middle, uh, which doesn't help anybody. An inefficient offense where they're splitting the, the snaps three ways, uh, is you don't really want to own anybody. Uh, so you're going to have to take a shot. I, if you're playing the narrative game, it would be Jones simply because maybe he has an opportunity to break out and they're much more likely to have the rookie in there on a regular basis than uh, Peyton Barber or Jaquiz Rogers who are just kind of, you know, biding time with this team. It's Ronald Jones' backfield whenever he wants to take it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like our thing when we were talking about the quarterbacks, right? Where you either know you either know someone's not the guy or there's still then the potential someone could be the guy, right? And you'd rather be in the situation where there's still that chance, that potential, like Baker Mayfield, let's say, right? So in this scenario, if you extrapolate it to the running back situation, you already know what Peyton Barber is. You already know what Pop Quiz, Jock Quiz Rogers is. There is still potential or upside for Ronald Jones. That's why you drafted him early on. So now is the time to see what you have in Ronald Jones. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at some transactions in my other league. Uh, yeah, so they did happen. So, uh, all right. I got Elijah McGuire there. Hey, how about that? So, uh, that was Emory Hunt one, would be proud of That you. was the one league where I went after him. I had Marshawn Lynch, so I dropped one IR guy for another IR guy. Uh, and I dropped Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota. 
I bailed. Finally. Really? Yeah. Oh, when you have such a man crush on LaFleur and the Titans and Mariota. Drew Brees is the starter. Look, I kept him for eight weeks, and it was all terrible for the most right. part, except for like two games. But I have Drew Brees. He ain't going anywhere. I'm rolling right. one QB from here on out. If Drew Brees gets hurt, then I'm toast anyway. So, and uh, then you pick up Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill. But you asked. I think you asked me the other day if Taysom Hill was owned in that second dynasty time. League. I brought up Taysom Hill this week. Yeah, he is owned in that <laughs> dynasty league. I checked it the other day, yesterday. He's owned in my long term dynasty that, fourteen team league. I was league doing as well. that Kessler thing, and uh, so there you go. So yeah. uh, let's see. Kenyon Barner got picked up for one hundred twenty dollars. Of it's a thousand dollar budget, but obviously we're halfway through, so I don't know what everybody's respective budgets are. Right. Kenyon Barner got picked up. I really do think that's a short term thing. That's a that's week a one or week two thing. kind of thing, but it's a deeper yeah. league. I understand why people. People are angling uh, as we head into these bye weeks because we got four this week. We have six next week. Six next week, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, guys like Chris Ivory because of Shady McCoy, Kenyon Barner because of Sony Michelle. You got to do it now. The bye weeks and injuries are creating interesting bedfellows, and Kenyon Barner may be one of those. Yeah, so I, I'll even give everybody a heads up as to what week nine looks like uh, from a bye standpoint uh, as soon as this loads up. So the buys next week are Cardinals, Bengals, Colts, Jags, Giants, Eagles. Not world beaters as far as offenses are concerned, but that's a lot of different teams. So you have to look for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers in any way possible. Um, uh, Let's see. Some other guys that got picked up on waivers yesterday. Mitch Trubisky got picked up. Andy Dalton dropped. Trenton Cannon picked Hmm. up again. Ben Watson, I picked him up. I dropped Cameron Brait. I just don't like the way the Brait thing is going. They're barely targeting him. And yeah, it's OJ. I need. I still need a tight end because George Kittle is my starter. I'm just angling for bye weeks as we get a little bit further down. So Ben Watson is basically a three or four week stash for me to have a tight end uh, when it comes down to it. I probably could have waited, but I have Breeze double the fun with Ben Watson. As we say here all the time, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, a lot of a crapshoot when it comes to the tight end position. When you're streaming it, you're trying to just get somebody that will score a touchdown. Uh, to show you how low Derek Carr has fallen, he got dropped for Jakeem Grant. So Jakeem Grant is actually an interesting name as we talk about these injured Miami wide receivers. He's obviously explosive. He's been involved in some explosive plays both on special teams and offensively. Is he somebody you give thought to while other people are scooping up Amendola for a little bit more budget? Jakeem Grant, somebody you give a little bit of thought to? Uh, I don't personally, and it goes back to the fact that I don't trust this, you know, uh, Miami offense. Like, Jakeem Grant has been largely, you know, gimmicky things, you know. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm not, I can't rely on that. I would look elsewhere myself. I would look at, you know, for example, I would, I would take a chance on Rashard Matthews ahead of this. I would take a chance on picking the right Raiders wide receiver that ascends. But, like, no, I, I, I don't want any part of the uh, Miami offense right now. Uh, yeah. You, you're not a believer in the Oz? The great Oz? The wizard? No. <laughs> no, the $72 million noose that was around the franchise of Houston for a while? No. Well, they paid him. Worst contract. The Broncos tried to do that, contract. too. Speaking of... I, I, seven, listen, go Brock ahead. Osweiler got $72 million. Yeah, that's right. Joachim Noah also got $72 million. Yes, he did. Worst so, $72 million contract. What do you think? <laughs> uh, the, the Knicks had to know that Noah was breaking down, uh, so it's worse. The Knicks are worse. Okay. I'm a Knicks fan. I would, like to say, I would like to deflect some blame, but 
um, I could have told you that he really doesn't look like he can play every day anymore. So maybe we (laughs) don't give the guy $72 million million? because he can't really play that much basketball anymore. And he's supposed to be solid analysis right there. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Thanks. You know, that's why they pay me the medium bucks. Here, yeah, you need that phone to uh, Mills and Jackson or whatever it was back yeah, in that day. Kind of but on the Knicks, all I care about is in two years, it's going to be Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, KP, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Knox, Robinson, and then my man Zion Williamson, baby. That's right. That's right. Tankalicious. <laughs> I think it's the Tankalicious season, <laughs> right. but uh, they're not Damn trying right. it just yet. So the DailyRoto.com Rest up, KP. Don't rush back, KP. Don't rush is back. now available. Just go to DailyRoto.com. You know about the NFL DFS optimizer on the Fantasy Sports Network. We talked about it. People are winning thousands, hundreds of thousands, million dollars. So just please go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, and enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount to start winning. DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium. Promo code is FNTSY. Come back after the break. We'll talk about this Thursday night disaster between the Dolphins and the Texans. That'll be fun. It's old school Thursday night football when the games are terrible. (laughs) We're going to talk about it next on FST. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We're back. Thursday edition of FST. Ah, Dolphins-Texans, Dean. Who doesn't want a little Dolphins-Texans? I mean, the Texans have surprised me, I have to say. They have surprised me in recent weeks. Um, From from 0-3 to 4-3. From 0-3 to 4-3, the Texans... Uh, have surprised uh, a bunch of us here. And now they take on the Dolphins. So the do- the, do- the Brock Osweiler-led Dolphins. So uh, what is your initial reaction on this game, Dane? Uh, we'll get your thoughts on who you're picking and which players uh, do you think are going to stand out tonight. Sure. Uh, in this game, and first of all, right now, I have it as the Houston Texans as seven and a half point favorites. That hook scares me. 44 and a half as the total. Um, here's what I think about this game. You know my feeling on Deshaun Watson and his personal health and safety. You know, they had him ride a bus <laughs> instead of taking a plane. So he's obviously banged up. And now on the short week, I'm concerned about him. I'm concerned about Brock Osweiler in what is a revenge game. I think J.J. Watt, uh, clowny, merciless, they're going to be up in his kitchen. I think this could be one of the clunkers that you're talking about in the old school kind of Thursday night football. I think this could be a clunker. I think this could be an under kind of game, although I'm not giving that out because I've promised myself I will never bet an under in the NFL in 2018 <laughs> again, right? Um, so here's what I will say, though. I think the Texans are a viable survivor pick this week. 
I don't know if I'd lay the seven and a half. The hook scares me, especially in a game that generally I think could be lower scoring. A touchdown is a lot in a lower scoring game. But I don't see any way that the the road team on Thursday night, like you said, the Texans are kind of you know, on a hot streak, as you've documented more than most, the Dolphins can't really do jack outside of the state of Florida in the month of September. So I really think that the Texans win this game, but I don't know if I'd lay the seven and a half, but I think the Texans are a viable survivor play. Yeah, it's a good point. But this is why the survivor pools get so interesting, right? Because first of all, we don't actually know what's going to happen. Sometimes the Bills blow out the Vikings, and people are like, sure. how did that possibly happen? But it did. Sure. So things like that happened. Why did the Saints lose to the Bucks, who are terrible? Don't know. They just did. But this is how it gets interesting because we all have our own narratives on teams going into the year. And I was a non-believer in the Texans. I just was not a believer. I thought the defense could still be good. They got talented guys all over yep. the place. I, I was worried about think, their O-line. Yeah, and I just didn't think they would survive. Now they've won four games in a row, and they're in a way better shape than I thought them to be. They're in first place. So now I'm faced with this decision because I think you're right. You think I can – it's a revenge game if you want to do that whole thing. I don't yeah. get into that, but Scott did Scott mention that? It's like his favorite thing. He did mention it. I think in this kind of revenge return matchup, if nothing else, it's actually going to be the Houston defense like that's right. proving to him why J. J. they Wan. moved on. Yeah, that's I think right. J.J. Watt wanting yeah. revenge on him not being good enough right. to help them win a Super Bowl. Exactly. So, to help him get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Right. right. So, um, so I get it, and I would have to pick Houston for the win, but I wouldn't get anywhere near this game. I, 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 exactly. I, I still think ultimately both teams are sort of unpredictable. Um, yep. So there you That's go. why my, the decider for me is Eileen, as you know, the home team on Thursday night. It, do, it does seem like they're trending in different directions. There's one, I've mentioned it to you, one big knockout pool where the prize is, I think, six grand that I'm in. I am now two of the remaining 35 entries or so. I'm going Houston with one of them, and I'm going with the Chicago Bears on the other one. Got it. So uh, I'm just trying to look at these. This is a stay away from me because of the half point, the hook. I could easily see this being a 2013 kind of final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just – I'm looking at some of the – I'm I'm trying to look at some of the projections here for Daily Rota for tonight's game, but I I can't get it. Sorry, I'm I'm messing around with that. No, it's all good. I mean, listen, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his, right? I'm concerned. I'm a little bit lower on Will Fuller than most because I worry about that the pressure, what has happened, and you know this. You've talked about this where it relates to Carr and Patrick Ramsey and others. I'm worried that Deshaun Watson is starting to look at the rush. I'm worried that his eyes aren't staying downfield, and I'm worried that the type of routes that Will Fuller runs down the field, you need the seven-step drop. You need time for, and so I think that could be a problem for Will Fuller, uh, the role that Will Fuller plays. Well, with Kiki Kuti out, but I guess is the one is thing out. we should mention. Kiki Kuti is yeah. out. Uh, I just wonder if, you know, that really helps to concentrate the Will Fuller, uh, DeAndre Maybe. Hopkins situation. I, I think you might have an opportunity yep. there where Fuller becomes more valuable. You know, Fuller is a boomer bust guy, right? That's just what he is. Yep. And I just think this could be a situation where Xavier Howard is on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, right. 
obviously people have had success against Howard, even though he's having a good year. But I just think that that could be something interesting there. Uh, Lamar Miller had 100 yards and a touchdown last week in that blowout matchup. Uh, Watt has seven sacks in his past five games, by the way. So to, to your point about people being in Osweiler's kitchen, uh, that's an opportunity there. Uh, Cameron Wake had a good game the last time these two teams played. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pass defended. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake, any love here for Kenyon Drake? Anybody yeah. on the Miami offense? <sighs> Listen, I mean, I could see Kenyon Drake having a game, you know, but it's also it's it's because uh, there's no other option. You know what I mean? They are bereft of dynamic playmakers of talent. I know you talked to Jakeem Grant. I don't buy it. Amendola is kind of like, you know, your safety net in the slot kind of guy. So he's he may be productive in PPR settings, but he's uninspiring. I'll say that. Um, the one. Let me ask you about this. You know, with all these, like I said, you know, uh, Albert Wilson gone, Stills probably out. You know, like there's maybe there's an opportunity for someone else to emerge. And so I want to ask you about Grant. the rookie tight end, Mike Gesicki. No. What about Mike Gesicki? No, <sighs> I can't bet on the rookie tight end right now. The rookie tight end. I know, end, and with I don't buy rookie QB, tight ends usually either. With the but, backup QB, it's just too much. I get it. This is this indicative of why how bad Ingram this last game year, is. Though? Why can't we just have a good game? Could this be similar to Evan Ingram last year? I mean, there was nobody else, and so Evan Ingram started getting targets. Now there's nobody else in Miami. Uh, Maybe Kasicki starts getting targets. I think it's a fair line to draw. I do. Like a point A to point B kind of situation. But um, the Giants lost four wide receivers at the same time. That's true. They lost four. I mean, at least Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant. All right. And even Devontae Parker, to some extent, uh, are out there. They they have a pulse. So They're better than Roger Lewis of last year's Giants, you're saying? I'm not going to bang on Roger Lewis. Who else was that other guy? <laughs> it who sounds like you guy? are. Uh, who, King. Who was the other guy? Tavares King, right? Tavares King. Yeah, Remember? I mean, it was, it was dregs. I understand. It was a relative thing. And, you know, I'm not – listen, I'm not necessarily advocating for it. Jeez, I'm just Lewis saying just the conditions could be present. Out of nowhere. He's just minding his own business. Yeah. And Roger Lewis <laughs> catching heat. He was in our hey, studio. Hey, shout out to Roger Lewis, yeah, by the way. We also studio. saw in Studio 34. That's right. We saw uh, in Studio 34 right, draft I, night. All right. So I, I, I'm with – I would pick, if you're making me pick, I'll say Houston covers tonight. But I would stay away from the game personally. And I do think it would probably. If I had be, to make a bet, it would be the under. Uh, twenty four thirteen. That what yeah, you're looking at? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Something so, like that. Something I, in that level. I gave twenty thirteen because I'm really worried about that half point. I'm trying to stress to people that that hook could come into play tonight. Yeah, you're worried about the uh, the backdoor cover. I, I totally understand. So, yeah. like I was a few weeks ago with that Colts Pats game, the Pats ended up covering, but. The Colts were yep. pushing the whole fourth quarter exactly. to potentially blow up that backdoor uh, cover. And in any event, so let's talk about some games. This, there. but just in a much far lower functioning game. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> talk about. Example. Let's each pick a game to talk about for yep. a couple of minutes because we can't get to all of them on Football Friday. So sure. you know, the one game that jumps out. Uh, there's a few games that jump out this week, but the Packers Rams game is pretty interesting because despite the yep. fact that people think the Packers are going to challenge. Uh, Continue to challenge for a playoff spot. This is the largest underdog that Aaron Rodgers has ever been. It's a nine and a half. He's a nine and a half point dog on the road in L.A. Obviously, they're undefeated in fifty six and a half Mm -hmm. total, which has remained 
uh, on point all throughout the week. So uh, it opened around 10.5, so it's come down to 9.5. But, um, I mean, that's going to be a game where it's all hands on deck. You know, we have no Cooper Cup. It's increasing the projection for Robert Woods, who's now the top projected wide receiver on the whole slate. Todd Gurley is the top skilled player on the entire slate by several points. Is His DFS pricing is reflective of that. $11,000 on FanDuel, so good luck fitting him into your lineups. But um, it's just tough to get value when he gets up to that price. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's the one game that people are really going to focus on. And, and can Green Bay hang with the Rams? Um, so... The spread being as big makes me lean. I'm down to five different games that I want to pick. You know, I'm going to have three of those five, and this one is one of them. Uh, I would like the Green Bay side with the points. I just, you know, like you said, Aaron Rodgers with this many points, like I, I just see so much backdoor cover potential in this one. You also mentioned Cup not being there, so maybe the Rams' offense is not, you know, 100% as dynamic. But, you know, I think generally speaking, remember, Cobb, Allison, back, it looks like, for Green Bay as well. I just have faith that Aaron Rodgers and that offense can keep it close enough, even against this Rams' defense. Um, I could see, you know, I could see a a 31-24 kind of game here, and I think the back door will be open for Aaron Rodgers, so I'm very intrigued by getting more than a touchdown with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I, it is interesting that Woods is the top projected wide receiver on the slate. I still feel like to some that extent he's been getting under, he's been going under the radar because of the other high-profile players on the team. But Robert Woods having excellent fantasy season. He's one of the guys on that Scott Fishbowl team that I have that has really helped me yep. keep up the pace when sure. a couple of other guys have faltered. Like Robert Woods has been a very consistent performer all throughout the year. So <clears throat> uh, another game that I think – I will say this yeah. real quick. On FanDuel, he is the seventh most expensive wide receiver. Seventh most expensive, yeah. Eighth. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, he's at 7,600 on FanDuel. A.B., Green, Devontae Adams, Beckham, Juju, Tariq Hill, Mike Evans, all more expensive than Robert Woods. Got it. I guess the other game, we'll, we'll talk about some of these games at length tomorrow, but the Minnesota-New Orleans game on Sunday night is going to be the one that people yeah, are really buddy. watching. I'll probably get a, a solid rating because – uh, got a couple of high-profile teams in there. Uh, Minnesota with obviously a lot of expectations, and New Orleans is always a fun team to watch. They're not as productive typically on the road, but they got a nice road win last week. What's up, Justin Tucker? And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a game that we'll be focused on for a lot of points as well. Minnesota's defense has not been playing up to par, but um, you know we'll see what Drew Brees can get yep. down on the road. So, uh, again, another high-profile game. Brown- I take the over 53. Yeah, I like it. So we will do those picks tomorrow. We'll do our survivor picks. We'll do our picks. We're laying off tonight's game completely. Uh, You're not picking Texans as a survivor pick? No. I can't pick a team that I'm not a believer in to be a survivor pick. I can hear you. So that's it. We're out. It's Carton and Friends next. Dana, I'll be back tomorrow for a football Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon.